Go where? To do bath time. Why? So you can play video games? Yes. There you have it, Gordon Haywood. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Dwight Howard Podcast. And what you just heard is uh, apparently Gordon Haywood uh, pleading with his wife to do bath time so he can go play video games and <laughs> she can put the kids away, I guess, and he could have time to rank up himself in uh, NBA 2K. <laughs> Man, yeah. It just goes to show, like, these guys, they're, they're no superheroes. They're just normal, average dudes like you and me. Except yeah, I wonder if like he plays a little more 2K than we do. Yeah, then that's what I was gonna say. I wonder like in, in 2K, does he have like a my player? Does and like if he does, like is he also a, a small forward? That's a a scoring small forward. That that's a really good shooter. Or maybe does did he make himself into like a seven foot five center that has wicked post moves or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> Just a taller version of himself. Oh yeah, yeah, a taller version of himself. I wonder if he's able to put that sleek hair into NBA 2K. <laughs> they can't. They can't animate that much gel. Yeah, they technology's can't. not there yet. Yeah. Anyways, so the NBA preseason has begun. So it's some here. basketball has already started. Um, Finally. So looking at all the preseason games, anything stood out to you, Sean? Um, I mean, nothing really that crazy yet. Um, I mean, we saw Ben Simmons' first action on the court. Yeah, he put up. Uh, I think it was eight points, nine assists, seven rebounds. Uh, he had some pretty passes, so that was really cool to finally see him uh, playing in an NBA game and looking like right. looking like the part, looking like he's gonna be all he was hyped up to be. Um, yeah, like he could maybe even average a triple double. Um, so that was really exciting. Yeah. Um, something that stood out to me just today is the Rockets put up 144 points against the Shanghai Sharks. Oh, man. <laughs> Talk about a beating. 144 to 82 points. You sort of just show up to this team's home country and you, you give them a beating in front of their whole, in front of the homeland. Yeah. I, I bet they loved it, though. I mean, they probably don't get to very often watch an NBA game. So this is probably quite the treat for them. So I'm sure they're totally fine getting blown out. It's kind of yeah. like just, yeah, it's like your high school basketball team getting to go up against like some uh, NBA players, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and another one is Lonzo Ball made his his debut. It wasn't a very uh, spectacular debut, but nonetheless, he scored the ball two for eight. The ball <laughs> went in, so that's a celebration. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not the scoring wasn't the big story with him. Like his passing looked as good as advertised, which mm -hmm. I think is what Lakers fans can expect from him this year. Is he's gonna have to work on his shot, but his passing is very fine tuned. Um, yeah. So I was looking right now at a lot of that. Oh, sorry to cut you off. No, but... yeah, go. <laughs> I was just gonna. I was looking at this interesting thing. So right now, as we speak. The Sacramento Kings are actually the number one team in the preseason. Oh, that means a lot. In the preseason standings. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't the Warriors like zero and two? Something like that. But, uh, yep. I mean, kind of just goes to show you, like, the preseason is kind of just another extension of the summer league in a way. Um, except you get the star players get a little bit of playing time. But, nonetheless, most of the minutes seem to go to guys that are looking to or fighting for a spot on the team, or the coaches are experimenting with lineups as they get ready for the regular season. Yeah, I mean, six or seven of these guys, they're not going to be on the team once once the season rolls along. So, I mean, you got to really show what you got in a short amount of time. 
that's yeah. pretty scary stuff. So, yep. So, anyways, let's go in, let's go into some uh, news around the league. So Nicholas Batum tore his ligament in his left elbow out six oh. to eight weeks. Ouch. Ouch for the Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for the Charlotte Hornets, man. A team who's looking to make a big step this season as the Eastern Conference gets weaker and they get slightly stronger. Uh, what do you think this means for Michael Jordan and his Hornets? Uh, I mean, it, it sucks. It really sucks. Like You hate to see injuries like this, like right before the season's about to start. Mm-hmm. And your starters are only playing like 20 minutes a game. You think, oh, there's like a low risk that anything really bad happens. I mean, we saw Lonzo get a little sprained ankle, but he'll be totally mm-hmm. fine before the season starts. But man, you hate to see this happen uh, so close to when everything's about to start. Um, I mean, I think they'll be fine in the meantime. They are in mm-hmm. the East. They're going to play a lot of East teams at the start of the season. So they'll still be able to hold their own without him. But yeah, that definitely eats into their depth a lot. Yeah. I mean, maybe this gives an opportunity for Michael Kidd Gilchrist to step up and get his season started on a strong yeah, note. Right. Yeah. He was your X factor. And he is you, right. Yeah. Yep. He is my X factor for that Charlotte Hornets team. And he's been flying below the radar borderline bust but hopefully he <laughs> can redeem go. himself yeah he's um, got his opportunity yep and some other big news just league wise coming out of the league office adam silver showing off his leadership and his ability to make some changes in this league or at least experiment with some stuff so the first big one is the nba passes the nba draft lottery reform and we did talk about this a little bit on our previous podcast but uh there's a big breakdown here sean so what's the latest on this Yeah, so I mean, the gist of it is that the top, or like the worst, I should say, three teams uh, for the worst records in the league at the end of the season, they're each going to have a 14% chance to get that number one pick, whereas before, the first team had 25%, the second team had 19.9, and the third team had 15.6. So all of them take a hit, Um, Mm -hmm. the worst team especially, and you see that added into a lot of the middle teams, so teams fought like four through 12 get a huge boost um to their chances yeah. to get one of these number one picks um so it really just it discourages getting a bottom pick but um i don't know do you think that this is enough to encourage teams to not tank because i mean it's still you still have higher chances if you're a worse team right the the source sort of like the the system still exists it just you sort of just alter altercated a little bit, and I don't think that altercation is enough to all of a sudden make teams fear tanking. I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna be surprised if next year we see a team like Memphis just really gut their roster and trade Marcus and Mike Conley and go for that tanking, or you see, or you just see another any other the any maybe the Pelicans, sort of one of these maybe, teams that's yeah. sort of hovering, um, Utah Jazz. I don't maybe not Utah, but. I don't think it's going to stop that. I think, in essence, teams are still going to go for that strategy, and that's still going to be talked about in their front offices. Um, I mean, it's something you're definitely going to have to think about a little bit more, maybe when you're making trades, sort of like the Lakers when they made that top those top three lottery-protected trades. I mean, this new system would have killed them if they lost out on that number two pick and they ended up with no pick whatsoever. Right. So I think you're going to see the ripple effect there a little bit more. Yeah, there there really really just isn't a perfect way to do this when you mm-hmm. want your worst teams to have a better chance at getting the new players that come in. 
Yeah. Um, I, I really like that they are doing something, though. It shows that they're trying to be proactive in fixing um, some of the alleged problems with the league. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely a step in the right direction. It's a step in a direction that doesn't lead to the ultimate solution. Yeah. But it's better one than what they had before. Agree. I do agree. I kind of I do like the idea that to give chances teams are like below sort of like six to ten. Like they have a better chance of moving up. Um, right. That way, that way you actually aren't encouraged to absolutely put the worst product out there for fans. Like maybe, I mean, this isn't really saying much. It's saying you're you're still a, a bad product, but you're not horrendous. I guess you're not the worst team in the league. Maybe you put out a number ten team out there. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good step. It not a bit. That's not a huge step. It's not going to completely revolutionize anything, but. Um, it's good. It's good to see this little, this slight change. Yeah, definitely. Yep. And moving on, another big change coming is Adam Silver saying that the league will now find teams that rest their stars playing in nationally televised games. Now, this is a rule that I actually really enjoy and I am in favor of. There, I can't tell you how many times the last two, two to three years I get hyped for a game on ABC sort of like, okay, like whether the big ones was always Cavaliers versus Warriors or Cavaliers versus whoever. The Cavaliers always rested their players all the or the Spurs. Right, I was so yeah. excited for these regular season matchups and then all you turn the TV on and what do you know? You're you're seeing Boris Diaw out there playing no. 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. Yeah, I totally yeah, agree. Or, um, I think this is a great change. Mm-hmm. I remember. I just remember from last year that Warrior Spurs game specifically was right. like the one everyone was really hyped for. And then you have what Kawhi, Lamarcus, and Tony Parker all resting that game. Yeah. And then, on, and then you had Curry, Durant, Draymond, and Clay resting on the other side. Mm-hmm. There's no one playing. Like people paid hundreds, thousands of dollars for those tickets, and you're just right. totally letting them down with like no regard for them at all. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And. And I think like that game specifically, I almost feel like Greg. There's no way Greg Popovich was not conscious of all of this. Um, it's like why? Why did you have to do it that game? Well, it was a back to back, so there's that. But at the same time, you they, how could they're conscious of the fact that people were excited about this game since the beginning of the season? Like you circled that game as like that was going to be the exciting one. You're going to see the number one and the number two team in the West go play against each other. And then you just rest your players. Like, what's going on? Why? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it it just goes to show. I mean, as they should, as a professional team, they care about winning more than their fans. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just trying to win. But I don't know. Do you think that Greg Popovich would still rest his players and take the fine, absorb the fine for the win just for a higher chance of winning the playoffs? He certainly can. But at the same time, like it doesn't have like you can he can absorb the fine and I guess rest his players. But I do disagree with the fact that he does it on a nationally televised game. I don't think he should do that. And if he does do that, then it's basically just him trying to send a message, I think. And it's more of like a political thing rather than it actually being to rest his players. I mean, if he's going to rest his players, why why don't you rest him against a weaker team? Why against the Warriors on a nationally televised game? (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, and. Even there's even talk now of like I mean there has been a talk in the past but there's even more rumblings now about shortening the season from eighty two games to fix it too, which me as now a that... fan I wouldn't like that I like having all these games it's great but I mean if it means they're not going to rest their starters then that's a plus too. 
Oh, I see. See, I'm actually like in. I'm actually a really big favor of them shortening the season. If it means getting a, a more quality product, that means that guys are healthier longer. Um, we're not going to go to the playoffs and think, oh, if only these, if only, I don't know, like for Memphis, for example, Memphis has had a good team go into the playoffs like the last three to three to four years, but they've always dealt with injuries towards the end or in the playoffs. Right. Um, or even OKC, as an example, too, they went two playoffs where they were either without Russell Westbrook or Kevin Durant. And if it meant that there was a chance that more stars would be healthy towards the end of the season and during playoff time, then I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. I definitely would agree with a more quality product. Um, and like and going back to the fine thing, I think the biggest the biggest losers, I think the NBA making this rule was definitely thinking about the fans. Um because I think at the end of the day, we're the biggest losers. I mean, we're the ones getting excited and turning the TV on and wanting to watch this thing. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it's cool to see, like, all, all of these, like, this move. And then the next the next one we're about to talk about, um, they're definitely geared towards getting the fans more engaged um, mm-hmm. on a night-in, night-out basis. Uh, another new rule. I'll just go and write it right into it. Uh, they chose to reform the way the All-Star game is played. Uh, going into this yep. year so the way it's going to work now uh top vote getters uh they're still going to do fan voting and then the top two vote mm-hmm. getters from will be captains of each team and then they will pick from the pool of players that had the most votes kind of like a like a school playground type of captains league and then they'll just pick the teams they'll take turns and then uh that'll be the all-star teams yeah, so my big thing with that is, I mean, so you got two captains who are going to choose a team. I wonder, does this new format diminish sort of the accolade of becoming an all-star? Because every time a, when you talk about a player's legacy, there's certain things you talk about, whether it's championships, um, first team, career averages, but all-stars, all-star selection is always part of that. So with this new format where you actually sort of get a captain that you, another player that chooses you and because i guess there's a risk of player bias playing into that i, I wonder if that does that diminish the all-star selection for you you think so I, i'm gonna say no because i think what's important to remember in all this is that they're still voted into the all-star game and once they're voted mm-hmm. in they are in the pool of players that are like on your like if it's like in a pretend you're on a playground and lebron and curry are picking players like those guys, those are your guys you choose from, are the who the fans voted for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think they still have like the the coaches weigh in on who goes to the All Star game too. So, okay, it's not, I see. It's not a West versus East format anymore. It's a uh, one team versus another, uh, picked playground style. Oh, so everybody in that pool is already officially an All Star. Right, and I, yeah, and I think uh, that's that's probably because they noticed that how many guys went to the West this year, like that Eastern All Star team is gonna be awful, you know? Right. Like, compared to the West, at least, like I mean, these will still be good. They'll have LeBron, but yeah, the West team would just have so many more, so much more talent on their team. Right, and I think an example of that would probably be that that point guard, that guard position where it's like. You'll get Kyrie Irving, you'll get John Wall in there, Bradley Beal, and then, I mean, you could have, like, Drew Holiday sneak in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and all I of a sudden... I doubt that, but <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe. 
you get you'll you could just potentially have like Dwight Howard sneak into that Eastern Conference All Star team, or I, this obviously it's controversial, but maybe one of these guys sneaks in, and then you're looking at the West, and you got guys like Damian Leonard who's gonna who probably will get snubbed out again, or maybe Clay Thompson gets snubbed out. Yeah, uh, so, this definitely increases guys like Damian Lillard's chance because it doesn't limit the amount of spots in the West. Yeah, so I think when I was looking at this, um, I just instantly got this image of sort of like LeBron James and Kevin Durant are like the big vote getters and they're the captains. <laughs> I mm-hmm. would love it if they actually like bring in that pool of players. You know, they got everybody's got neutral jerseys on and then <laughs> LeBron and Kevin Durant got all the jerseys and they sort of just like sit all the players on a bench and then Durant's just like, oh, I got him. And then LeBron's like, well, I got I got Steph Curry. Curry's on my team. <laughs> Yeah, no, that would be awesome if that's the way they did it, where they, like, televise it and they're just, like, standing up there picking players. That would be so fun. <laughs> yeah, and then it I, just, I like, comes down that. to... Yeah, it would be funny if it just, like, came down to, like, like I don't know, like, Marcus Gasol and Kevin Love. Like, you're, you're the last <laughs> two guys. Who's the last pick? <laughs> yeah, and then it's, like, LeBron has that second-to-last pick, and he's just, like... Yeah, I got Marcus Saul. And then Kevin Love just like, <laughs> like totally wait, takes it personal. Why? <laughs> yeah, and just then like all the media goes crazy. Yeah, oh, I would love if they did that, but it doesn't look like they're gonna do that because it looks like the 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 team selections are gonna be made. Obviously, I think it's like one to two a week before the actual game itself. So, uh, leading up to that game, we will already know where the players are divided yeah. and who's okay. who's on whose team. Man, that'd be so great. So, LeBron, we saw you pick Marc Gasol over Kevin Love with that last pick of yours. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What do you think about your relationship together? Yeah, that'd be crazy. So, last year, LeBron James was the top Eastern Conference vote-getter, um, and Steph Curry was the number one Western Conference vote-getter. Um, do you think that changes at all this year? Oh, man. I mean, I still think LeBron will be the top. Yeah, and I, I feel agree. like people are falling out of love with Steph Curry. Like he, people were enamored with him for a while there. I mean, he'll still get a ton of votes, but I feel like Kevin Durant's gonna be that second guy. Yeah, I think so too. It's gonna be a LeBron versus Durant thing. Yeah, um, it just makes a lot of sense. I guess the next question. This is a question people have been asking. I've been talking about when the news came out about this over on TV and stuff. It's like, will Durant choose Russell Westbrook? And and I think oh, that it's a drama. Yeah, I think that might be. That's an interesting question to ask. And I think I think Durant will choose Westbrook if it came to it. And I don't really think it's going to be because he wants to send a media message or anything. It'll just be because Westbrook is the best guy. Like oh, yeah, who he sure. is one of the best guys on, on in this game right now. I'd, I'm, I might even say he's better than Curry in a way. I feel like he'd do it just to send a message even just be like, Hey, there's not a lot of beef between us. Stop talking about it. You know? Hmm. Yeah. I don't think I, I think he just does it strictly because Westbrook is honestly, he's, He's the he's one of the he, best he players in this game. game. <laughs> yeah, you he wants to win the All Star game. Yeah, he wants to win it. You want Westbrook on your team. Yeah, but I guess also like a big question to ask with this changed format is: does this does this make the All Star game any more competitive than sort of like the garbage we saw last year? Because really last doesn't. year that game was horrible. Yeah, it really doesn't. All you're doing is changing where the players are on the on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. th- I know that the there was some talk about the winning team gets to donate 
certain amount of money to like their charity of their choice or some sort of incentive like that um yeah just something to incentivize them to actually play defense like a little bit of defense i don't know yeah i just i think the ex so, i mean it's a valid excuse to a certain degree that they don't they don't want to go all out in an all-star game for the risk of getting injured but like as we just saw nicholas batum getting hurt i mean ben mclemore getting hurt in practice i mean a lot of these yeah. guys play play hard during practice and they go hard during training so and even some during the summer i mean marcus all was playing for spain out there and a couple guys played in the inter international tournaments mm -hmm. so to say that the all-star game could is puts you at this risk of getting injured i don't know about that i mean some yeah. of these guys put their bodies through some more heavy rigging yeah and non-nba events well it's one game everyone's playing like 20 minutes of it like mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't think they need to rest or anything like that or just go easy. They should do it for the fans if they care. Yeah. I I do like the idea of incentivizing it more with charity. That would be pretty awesome and I think yeah, a lot totally. of guys would love that too. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm well, moving on from here, um we go to the Southwest Division preview, one of the few divisions still left for us to preview. Um, I don't think, I guess, well, actually, this is one of the more competitive uh, divisions, especially at the top. You got the Rockets and the Spurs. But at this point, I think me and you are in agreement that the Rockets are going to come out of this one on top. Yeah, we're definitely in agreement there. I mean, it's not like the Spurs are going to be that far away from them. Mm -hmm. But right now, they're looking like the clear-cut favorites. Uh, bringing yeah. in obviously the new addition of Chris Paul, CP3 himself, uh, just swiping him away from my beloved Clippers. And then yeah. you know what? They might as well add insult to injury and take uh, Luke Mabamute with him. You know <laughs> why not? And then they also added PJ Tucker, another good defensive piece. Um, as far as people they lost, we got Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, and Montrez Harrell. All uh all going to the Clippers, actually, in that trade for Chris Paul. Um, yeah. There's some good pieces in there, but none of them are Chris Paul status, so I'd say they made out pretty well in the end, even if it is just a one-year loan. He hasn't signed off on a new deal with them yet. Um, so mm -hmm. we'll have to see where that shakes out. Yeah, and it's a it was a big move for Chris Paul. He left a lot of money on the table as he was, he was eligible to sign for $200 million with the LA Clippers. He leaves that on the table. Um, picks up his player option and asked to be traded to the Rockets. So he took a big risk here, and let's see if it pays off for him in his new home. Though what is interesting, though, is I have them finishing third in the West, um, right. and yeah. that might set them up with a matchup with the Clippers in the playoffs, oh, potentially. That would be pretty epic. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit of luck, I think, for the Clippers to get that sixth seed, but it's definitely, I think, in their in their range... Yeah, um, we don't know what the Clippers are capable of um, as far as with their new lineup. Uh, mm -hmm. So they, they could end up being really good. They could end up not even making the playoffs. Like, who's to say at this point? Yeah. And when looking at pairing these two guys, I guess the biggest question for this team is who's going to be that primary ball handler? You got Chris Paul, obviously a natural at the point guard position. He lives there. Uh, yeah. James Harden, who tried it out last year and almost won an MVP award playing that position. Right. Uh, so I guess you could, you probably can't go wrong with either of the two, but you're going to, you probably have to figure out a system of sort of like who the best off ball player would be. And 
obviously all signs point that James Harden will be. But at the same time, I guess you're going to have to play with the rotations a little bit because I don't think James Harden is going to completely go away from that point guard position. I think you're going to all see Chris Paul going to the bench maybe at some point midway into the first quarter or James Harden goes to the bench and then they sort of alternate at that point guard position, but then they close the game out with Chris Paul being the main ball handler. Yeah, it's that's a tough one, man. D'Antoni's, he's got some schemes he's going to have to work on with these two because mm-hmm. you you trained Harden to be the dominant ball handler. Like, the entire offense runs through him. And you bring in a guy like Chris Paul, you have to kind of scrap that a little bit because yeah. Chris Paul demands that he is the field general, that he commands where everyone goes, um, and he's really good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, so to make these two work together, I think if Paul and Harden are on the, on the floor together, uh, like Chris Paul is not the guy to stand in the corner and wait for the ball to be given to him. I feel right. like Harden can do that, like wait for the ball to be given to him and then make a play on his own on an isolation kind of mm-hmm. kind of way. Um, yeah. But I do think I agree with you in that um, they'll probably have one of them on the floor at once. And I think Chris Paul's actually, they're probably going to have to lower his minutes this year, I would say. Yeah. I mean, the guy has a lot of wear on him, even though he is only 32 years old. Uh, only, I should say. It, it's He's still got a few good years in him, but he mm-hmm. is pretty prone to injury, which we saw yeah. in Los Angeles. He he doesn't play a full season very often. Um, yeah. So if you want him to be there at the end of the season, like you're going to have to lower his minutes, like maybe like, high 20s to just 30 minutes a game um, if you want to stay healthy. Yeah, I agree, especially probably maybe during the softer times in the schedule. I just don't see James Harden completely going away from being a a ball handler um, because he has proved last year he can definitely do it. Mike D'Antoni is comfortable there as well as a lot of the other players. So I think we'll see James Harden being that primary ball handler, maybe to close out the first half uh, midway in that third quarter, maybe to start the fourth at certain points. But I mean, Mike D'Antoni will figure something out. He loves having a a good ball handler as we've obviously seen with all his teams. So I think we'll see him there. Um, But I mean, the Rockets still keep a lot of their players despite shipping a lot of them, uh, shipping a good portion of them for the Chris Paul trade. They still keep Gordon and Trevor Ariza um, Trevor Reza being that that ever so wanted three wing that can defend and also knock down that three. Um, but who do you have as your X factor for the Houston Rockets? I mean, you could have you could pick a lot of guys that really need to like step up and be that third scorer. I mean, Eric Gordon, Trevor Reza, Ryan Anderson. But I'm actually gonna go with Clint Capella. Mm. Uh, I think Clint Capella, um, while not being really the main scorer on the team. I feel like he has a lot that he has to do on the floor being really their only true big man, you know? Right. Um, I mean, Ryan Anderson's a big man, but he's more of a stretch for, um, Clint Capella is going to have a lot to prove being the only guy that's like a true big, um, he averaged 12 points, eight rebounds last year. Um, he's going to have to see those rebounding numbers get up and play some solid defense. Cause Lord knows rockets aren't going to play very good much defense. Otherwise, Right, he might be sort of like the unnamed hero of every game because he might probably go out there and score maybe like eight points, but I could see him coming out with like 13 rebounds a game and making plays that don't show up on the stat line but 
uh, in the long run help the Rockets secure a win, whether it's the alternating shots, blocking shots, um, tipping shots to, to teammates or knocking them back outside. Like Clint Capella is definitely going to play that big role. Um, and I, I feel like he might, he's a guy who's probably comfortable with that. And I think he probably, he probably knows that that's going to be his expectation going into this season. Yeah. And we can't forget about my man, seven foot one, Zhao Shi, <laughs> Chinese master. He's there, what's man. The, what's the story with this guy? You know, I don't really know. I just saw him in the preseason game. He made a three. He got four fouls in five minutes. There you <laughs> he, go. He was out there hustling, man. He was out there hustling. So, so an aggression is definitely not one of his weaknesses. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Man, I really hope he makes that team. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an interesting X factor that you chose to clink a pillow, but I think my X factor is going to be Chris Paul. Ah, the X man factor, made a big okay. change. Yeah. Yep. Let's see what Chris Paul can do with, for this team. I mean, what are we going to see? I mean, are we going to see a Chris Paul that goes out there and averages 15 points, 12 assists? Or are we going to see a Chris Paul averages 20 points and 10 assists? Or maybe Chris Paul averages 15 points and knocks it out of this park and gets gets his numbers up to like 16 assists or something ridiculous like that. And the pieces are there for him to do that. Yeah, I'm the a, pieces. I mean, I'm a huge Chris Paul fan. I hope he does. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chris Paul can. I mean, he's sort of like those. He's a complete point guard. He can score the ball. He can. He, he's a floor general, like you mentioned earlier. He definitely sees the game and he can put the ball right where you want it. So let's see what kind of role he takes on this season, and it's gonna be fun to watch. Yeah, it's gonna be really fun. I'm. I'm. This is one of the teams I'm most excited to see, and we get to see them opening night against the Warriors on TNT. Oh, nice. That's gonna be a heck of a game, oh, right man. there. Yeah, that's Clint Capella. Oh. I'm so excited. Versus Zaza. Yeah, <laughs> the marquee matchup we've all been waiting for. Yeah. But the storyline to follow here is how many threes can we see? Will we see these guys put up every night? Man, so that first preseason game they played, they put up, I think, 75% of their shots were threes. Oh, God. It's like a video game out there. It's insane, dude. Yeah. So moving on to a team that some might have them over the Rockets, um, but won't finish. I think won't finish that far below, but I think the Rockets will surpass them. That's the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> Greg Popovich and his Spurs are still here, despite us nearing the end of the past the half for second half of the 2010s. <laughs> Man, you just want them to die, don't you? you Dude, just, they fit I feel like you're rooting against them almost. Man, it's just crazy. Like this, the Lakers are just like, look at us. We're a lottery team. We have been for the last <laughs> five years, and we rose with the San Antonio Spurs. But look at them. They lost their star legend player, and they're still kicking ass. And <laughs> what are you gonna do, man? Them Spurs. Correct. Yeah. So, anyways, they reloaded with Rudy Gay, and Derek White, Brandon Paul, and how do you pronounce this man's name? Joffrey Laverne. Okay. Yeah, there that's we... fine. I mean, Rudy Gay is really the only like piece there that you'd say would was going to get significant minutes. He ruptured his Achilles last year, only played 30 games. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see if he can recover from that and be the player that he was averaging like 18 points a game. Mm -hmm. um, that's rough. He, he had a full rupture of the Achilles. Like, this thing burst, man. Yeah, we'll see how he bounces back from that. He's not the only guy coming back from an Achilles injury. There's another dude that I'll mention, or 
not nearly at the same level as Rudy Gay, but he's also trying to come back from an Achilles injury. Okay, okay. Yeah, but uh, anyway, yeah, the departures from the Spurs. Uh, Jonathan Simmons, a uh, pretty big hit there, uh, promising young talent. And Dwayne Dedman, uh, backup center, he's gone. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, while so these moves are pretty meh, in my opinion, in yours as well, I'm assuming. Yeah. So, yeah, the Spurs, they just seem to keep the same team that they had in an NBA that completely changed around them. Right. Like all these teams are completely different now, and the Spurs are just there. They have Kawhi, they have a grumpy Lamarcus, and an a hairless Ginobili, and a, yeah, and a hairless Ginobili, <laughs> a hairless Ginobili. So the trajectory of the Spurs, all you have to do is just follow the hair of Mono Ginobili. <laughs> First, the man was just littered with chest hair and a, and hair that reached all the way down to his back, oh, and now boy. the dude has no chest hair and no hair on his head. But nonetheless, he's still in the NBA. <laughs> he, he's still there, man. And Pau Gasol's still there on probably the largest deal of any man in his late 30s right now. Oh, it's ridiculous the amount of money this guy is taking from the Spurs. I cannot believe they went with this. But, I mean, it just goes to show you, like, when you're in the market and you need that person, you, you take him back as somebody else is an example. That's Drew Holiday on the Pelicans. But we'll talk about that later. Um yeah. I just don't see what's so special about the Spurs team, but then I look to one man, and now I know why. And it's not Greg Popovich; it's Kawhi Leonard. Yep. I, I think out of all these moves that have been made this offseason, they've all set up for what could be an MVP season for Kawhi Leonard. Because if you look at this team, there's nobody else there except for that man. He's going to distribute that ball. He's going to rebound that ball. He's going to defend the best player, and he's going to score that ball in bunches as well. Yeah, he's he's this team's everything. Like he yeah. has to be everything, and he can be. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got the size to guard four positions and guard them well because he's got those huge hands. Um, yeah, yeah, he can shoot, he can drive, he can lead the team. Proved it last year. He just needs to stay away from Zaza, and everything <laughs> will be okay. Yeah, yeah. So the X factor for this team, Lamarcus Aldridge. How could you not put this man on there? Marcus Aldridge, that big acquisition, but the dude just kind of shadows away in the big moments. Uh, Had the lowest rebounding point average since his rookie year. He he just doesn't fit in with his team. It's really weird. Like yeah, they signed him. Like it was really exciting. I mean, we all thought he was gonna go to Los Angeles, and then he picks the Spurs, and we're like, oh man, the Spurs are gonna be crazy with Kawhi and Lamarcus. And then Mm -hmm. it was one of the most underwhelming performances we've seen. And there was actually, I think, uh, I saw a report on ESPN the other day talk about how him and Popovich actually had a sit down together over the summer to discuss like his role on the team. And he just voiced his displeasure with how everything's been. Um, it doesn't seem like they came to like a full resolution on that relationship, but it's good that he at least sat down with Popovich to voice his concerns. So hopefully that's a yeah. step in the right direction for him. Yeah, I'm not really sure what LaMarcus Aldridge wants. I mean, he wasn't very happy towards the, towards the end of his career or towards the end of his time at Portland. Um, and here at with San Antonio, there was moments where San Antonio would give him the ball in the post and want him to score. Uh, so I'm not sure like what he is, he's looking for exactly specifically. It'd be interesting to hear what that answer would be from him. Because, I mean, he's yeah. on a good team and the team looks for him to score. They're certainly not looking to Paul Gasol nowadays. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, or maybe they are. I mean, maybe they just have that little faith in Aldridge that they felt like they needed to lock down Gasol for a while while they find yeah. a replacement for Aldridge. But man, he just he needs to figure it out. He can't be the guy he was in Portland. He can't be the number one. Kawhi is the clear number one. He should have known that right. when he went there. It's not like that was a surprise mm-hmm. to anybody. Right. Uh, but we're just going to have to see if they can figure things out this year. I mean, they've had a whole offseason to figure it out. Um, the Spurs are a world-class organization. If anyone can figure it out, it's them. Yeah. Um, or yeah, maybe so. the solution is, I was going to say, maybe the solution is maybe LaMarcus Aldridge becomes that highly targeted trade prize at the close to the end of the trade deadline this yeah, season. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I, I was honestly surprised they didn't try to move him earlier. Um, but I guess they're hopeful that they can figure things out with them. They at least want to try to make it work because they committed so much money to him. Yeah, I mean, a thought might be that maybe they're kind of in a position where they have to figure it out with him. Maybe there just wasn't the market out there, which I could definitely see that. I mean, I'm not sure which team would give up anything big because I certainly yeah. don't think the the Spurs want to be a lottery team just yet. So, no, definitely not. Yeah, no. And Spurs, I can't see. <laughs> they're like the Patriots. They just can't. They can't have a losing season. Yeah, and I can't see anybody giving up anything big for, or, or anything that's like a player of equal value for Lamarcus Aldridge. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. Tough. Yeah, so hopefully we can see that work for them. But I, I mean, the storyline to follow here. I mean, we've kind of mentioned it is like just can this old school team keep up with all the new blood that we've seen around the NBA just all these teams have changed around them uh what does that mean mm-hmm. for a team that did nothing um yeah may- maybe it's a good thing maybe it's good that they have the same team and they have all this chemistry and or maybe it's a bad thing and like the NBA is just gonna leave them behind maybe this is the start of the end for them we'll have to see it's possible very possible Anyways, moving on, another team that's sort of adopting the old school Spurs mentality way back in the day of David Robin, Nate, David Robinson and uh, Tim Duncan is the New Orleans Pelicans. Will it work? I'm not, I don't know. Well, yeah. see, here are some <laughs> new additions to add to their twin towers. Rajon Rondo. There he is. Ian Clark, Frank Jackson. And if you thought he wasn't due for an encore in the NBA you're wrong. Tony Allen, 35-year-old Tony Allen, 31-year-old Rajon Rondo are their big off-season acquisitions. Um, their di- big departures is, is Tim Frazier. Um, not much not, loss not there. Not very big of a departure. Yeah, not very big of a departure, but very not big acquisitions. I mean, not in terms of like solving this team's biggest problems. You bring in Rajon Rondo. Tony Allen's a great defender, right? Rajon Rondo, good perimeter defender arguably now but neither of these two guys are shooters and this team lacks in shooting this team needs spacing right now uh they need to give some space for some of these guys for demarcus all for demarcus cousins and anthony davis to operate um and a tough break for this team really they're forced to sign drew holiday to a huge contract (laughs) and it's it's interesting because the way it doesn't seem to make sense but you got to look at it from their perspective. They badly needed a point guard that could work with these guys. And Drew Holiday, unfortunately, was the only... Well, I guess, unfortunately, it's not the right word. But Drew Holiday was really the only guy that could provide what they needed. So they were kind of forced. Yeah, so they had to pay him what he wanted. And they 
he, he had all the leverage in the world, so they had to give it to him a five-year, $126 million contract. Ugh, every time we discuss this deal on this podcast, is so sickening. It's so okay. much money for this dude. Well, here's a number. Last season, just a small sample size, but nonetheless one. They went 2-13 and 13 without Drew Holiday on the floor. So... What was their record with him? Not that much better. Like, it's better than 2-13, and 13, but it's still a losing record. Right. Nonetheless, yeah, it's still a still a losing record. But think about this though: with the signing of Rajon Rondo, they now have three Kentucky Wildcats on this <laughs> roster. Maybe that's an upside. I mean, at this point, you're really looking sure. for anything yeah. because you are in danger of losing Demarcus Cousins after this season if you don't do something well. Or, I mean, Demarcus Cousins really hasn't hinted that he'll leave if they suck, but Anthony Davis will definitely continue to become unhappy with this organization who yeah. has just dug themselves even deeper into a salary cap hole. Hole. So that's why I have the the biggest X factor on this team is Dell Demps, the GM of the Pelicans. They're in this big salary cap hole, so they can't make much free agent signings, but they can maybe with some luck get creative and make some trades that'll make this a more compatible roster because the way it is right now, um, I have them finishing ninth in the West. I think they're going to be looking out on the outside in terms of the playoff picture. Yeah, and, and it's unfortunate because if they were in the East, they'd probably make the playoffs. Right. And it's it's kind of crazy when you have a guy like DeMarcus Cousins and we talk, we've talk we talked about this too, a guy who who has yet to see the playoffs or no, regardless of what numbers he puts up, he, his teams just cannot win games. So just to give you an idea, DeMarcus cousins has averaged a double double since the 2013 seasons. And those averages have been at least 22 points or, and 11 rebounds. But like I mentioned earlier with zero playoff experience appearances, it's great numbers. And I mean, you can say how awesome he is all you want, but, at the end of the day, if he has never been to the playoffs with the Kings and he doesn't find a way to make it work with Anthony Davis on your team this year, then it's it's him. He's the reason that team, these teams aren't making the playoffs. Like, doesn't matter how good he is, he just he's probably just a poison in the locker room and just a poison on the floor. I'm not I'm not sure I'd be so quick to jump to that. I mean, the way I'm looking at this Pelicans team is this organization is maybe just as poisoned as the Kings. They've made some bad choices. And like I said, they don't really have this roster just looks totally incompatible with what they have. And they don't have much room for flexibility. It's going to take some luck and some doggone awesome creativity yeah. from their GM <laughs> to make some trades work. Um, but to you get do have Anthony Davis. You do have Anthony like, Davis. So that's there. I, that's that. Yeah. I feel like every year, I mean, we focus on Durant. We focus on LeBron and all these other flashier players that we you hear about in the media all the time, and then you just forget how good Anthony Davis actually is. Mm -hmm. Like, he puts up crazy numbers on a very consistent basis. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to see if you're not a fantasy basketball player. If you play fantasy basketball, you know what kind of crazy numbers Anthony Davis can put up, just in, as far as, like, steals and blocks and putting up 50-point games. It's, yeah, yeah. No, I you agree. You I cannot ever underestimate a team with him on it. Yeah, and I think one of his big one of his problems has been his inconsistency, and a lot of that is attributed to the injuries he's had the last couple of years. Yeah. But I feel like he might be getting over that hump. At least I hope so, because I definitely want to see Anthony Davis on the floor for more than sixty games this year. 
uh, put together a good campaigning, put himself in that running for MVP. This might be a this might be the season. At least it's, it's definitely going to depend on if the Pelicans want to make the playoffs. But I mean, in terms of long haul for this organization, the, the Dell Dams has got to figure something out. That whole organization's got to do something to put more compatible players around Anthony Davis and maybe DeMarcus Cousins. I don't know if he's there, but we'll see. And that's the storyline to follow is will DeMarcus Cousins resign with this franchise or will he walk away? And maybe he'll end up being a tread deadline target this year. Yeah, I mean, Who knows? Yeah, it's just going to depend how they look at the trade deadline. Like, are they, mm-hmm. do they have a winning record? Um, is Anthony Davis injured or healthy? Um, yeah. yeah, maybe, maybe the Cavs try to make a push for cousins. Like we talked about before and try to trade that first round pick to the Pelicans if they're feeling a little desperate. Yeah. It's kind of crazy to, that a guy who might average yet again, 20 points and 11 rebounds this year could be a trade target heading into the season. We'll yeah. see. Um, but moving out to the Memphis Grizzlies, another team that kind of, you got to keep the, the sort of like the. The sad train trend going, but the Memphis Grizzlies <laughs> are definitely a team that's uh, trending down. Um, the grit and grind era is officially over. over. Zach Randolph is gone. Tony Allen is gone. Vince Carter is gone. Um, <laughs> who they bring in? They bring Mario Chalmers, Ben McLemore, and Tyreek Evans. So a pair of sort of quality players and I mean, guys yeah. that might have some upside. At least you would need a little bit of luck. Mario Chalmers, he played pretty good um, with Memphis when he did play with them two years ago before tearing his Achilles. So this yeah. is another guy yeah, that's trying to right. bounce back from an Achilles yeah, tear. that's right. And you got Ben McLemore, um, has a broken foot right now, so we probably won't see him until December. But he was he was one of the top five prospects coming out of 2013. So at this point, he could be is officially carries the label of bust no. but maybe this is the place he turns his career around and Tyreek Evans a former rookie of the year averaged 20.8 points 20.8 points his rookie year in Sacramento but has only played 65 games in the last three years yeah I remember when Tyreek was crushing it when he came into the league and it's just injuries man injuries are the worst yeah, and it sucks, but Memphis is sort of in the boat right now where they're hoping that these in these injured players have an upside, and their biggest one that they're really rolling the dice on is Chandler Parsons. Oh, yes, no. this guy's still around. He's still there. <laughs> He's still there despite not playing, only playing like 20 games last year. This guy nonetheless will make $24 million for the next three years. So the Memphis Grizzlies made a huge bet on this guy, and they're hoping that he becomes the third best player on this team and gets back to the way he was with the Houston Rockets where he shot 37.8 from three um, and averaged 19 points a game. Not bad for a guy who also has a frame of 6'10". Yeah, I mean, he looked good in Houston. I thought he was going to end up being like a solid player for his career, but man, how the mighty fall. Yeah, and I kind of I feel bad. I like Mike Mike Conley and Marcus Sol as players, but I I gotta say it again, and this is something that I I, I feel like I'm gonna keep mentioning, <laughs> and I hope it comes true. Is I think Marcus Sol is gonna become a trade target for the Cavaliers. I think the Cavaliers should go for it. I think Memphis might be heading to the lottery in the next couple years. Yeah, you got um, you gotta speak that trade into existence. The more you say it, the more likely it is to happen. Yeah, I want this trade to go into existence. I just love Marcus Sol as a player, and I'd love to see him in the Cavs 
It just and I think he'd be the missing ingredient to beat the Warriors. He's a big guy who can shoot the three. He's versatile. He's super skilled in the post. He can pass that ball. Um, I think he's a good fit over there. But and Memphis, I just can't see them making any moves that'll make him competitive in this loaded Western Conference. Yeah. So I feel bad for Mike Conley, man. That that dude yeah. is a baller. Like for as underrated as he is, he deserves the max contract that he's on. And yeah, for, for Coach Fizdale, man, like I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna miss seeing his post game interviews. Like they're not gonna make the playoffs this year. Um, we have them trending down as tenth in the West. Looking, yeah, on the outside looking in, man. The those post game interviews, I love those. That made me fall in love with the Grizzlies a little bit. Just yeah, the fire that guy had it was so awesome to see. Yeah, so unfortunately, the grit and grind era of, of making the playoffs is is over. If they, this will be the first time they have not made the playoffs since the 2012 season. Miracles oh. can happen, right? Miracles can happen, though. Maybe who knows? Maybe Chandler Parsons does come out there and does become the third best player on this team. Uh, Averages 19 points. We can carries only, them to the eight seed. We can only dream. Yeah, and like I mentioned, the storyline, the big storyline to follow with this team is essentially: Do the rich keep getting richer? Does do Mike Conley and Marcus all become trade targets for some of these? big teams um, later on this season. Though I think it'd probably lean more towards Marcus Gasol. Conley has that big contract, which I think he rightfully deserves. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, man, if Marcus Gasol leaves, I'll feel even worse for Conley. Just the lone guy, a great player on such a trash team. <laughs> yeah. Where you have Mario... Yep. Ch- they, have, they brought in Mario Chalmers and Tyreek Evans, who are both point guards, to do what? <laughs> like they have Mike Conley. Like, what do you need these guys for? Like, I guess it's all they had. Like, that's all that was there for them. But yeah, I mean, essentially, like they're in a their salary cap situation is not very good. Essentially, because you got Mike Conley, Marcus Sol on big contracts, but really because the big Chandler one Parsons. is it's Chandler Parsons. We're <laughs> yeah. talking here, twenty four million. I mean, that's that sucks a lot out of you. Yep. And I'm, I'm especially when he's right got now. nothing to show for I'm it. I'm call right now. Drew Holiday is going to be the Chandler Parsons of the Pelicans. Ooh, that's a huge claim. <laughs> is it but, though? Hey, I mean, <laughs> uh, you've, I would not wish that on, on the Pelicans, but it's possible. It, but I, I, just, I just don't believe in him like everyone else does, apparently. I will say this, though. Chandler Parsons has been playing in the preseason, um, so that's a huge victory. Just that like, <laughs> he suits playing. up and goes – because there was times last year when he – I mean, there was a lot of hype on this guy. Like, there – there, I don't think last year there was a guy that had more pressure on him from in, from their organization than Chandler Parsons. Uh, Memphis yeah. – the Memphis organization and fans uh, – they wanted to see this guy play, and when he finally got a chance, when he got clear to play, and he went out there, and he looked like he didn't belong in the NBA. <laughs> that uh, uh, He had a hard time keeping up with guys. It looked like he could barely jump. Um, when he shot one of his first shots, it was the flattest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Flatter than a Shaq free throw? Flatter than a Shaq free throw, and he, and, the, and he was wide open. I don't even remember who they were playing against, but I just remember saying – just my reaction was like, my God, get this man out of the game. <laughs> oh, man, so sad. We, we wish the best yeah. for the Grizzlies, though. Yeah, so enough with that. Let's go to another team, Mark Cuban's Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, so surprisingly, a Mark Cuban-led team, probably the, one of the least exciting teams that's going to be playing in the NBA this year. 
as far mm-hmm. as moves goes, the new additions they added were Josh McRoberts and uh, some guy named Jeff Withy. And, I mean, so the big... This is the whole story with this team. The, like, the entire story is Dennis Smith Jr. Yep. Uh, ninth I agree pick there. overall, yeah, they got him in the draft. Uh, I'll quickly mention they on departures, they lost A.J. Hammonds and DeAndre Liggins. Uh, back to Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, this guy can ball. Uh, and they're very lucky that he came out into this draft and that they were in the ninth position because if there weren't marquee point guards out there like Lonzo Ball and Markel Fultz, these these taller, like seemingly more NBA-capable guys, uh, Dennis mm-hmm. Smith Jr. could have been one of these top five picks um, yeah. for a team that needed a point guard. But luckily he was in a draft. For, luckily for the Mavericks, he was in a draft where there was a lot of point guards available. And he could end up being the best out of the bunch. It's possibly be, becomes rookie of the year. Um, he's very talented. Yeah, um, in a weird way, this is a this is like a big win for Mark Cuban though, because I can't, I don't know how how long you can keep selling tickets throughout the NBA season just off Dirk Nowitzki, you know? Right. Dude. Yeah, I mean, they've yeah they've been doing it for like 19 years now, and you know he's he's fallen off quite a bit from his 2007 MVP, 2011 Finals MVP marks. I mean, it's been six years since that Finals MVP, and man, he's fallen off quite a bit. Especially last year, he averaged 26 minutes a game, like barely over half a game, and 14 points um, for not even a full 82 games. So, yeah, you're looking at Dennis Smith being the future of this team. Uh, definitely mm-hmm, a rebuilding easily. type of year. Um, and, I mean, the, the X factor, I think, for this team to succeed at all is going to be, can Harrison Barnes prove he's worth that max contract? that he was offered last year that I thought was the stupidest move they could have made, but they did it and he played pretty well. Uh, 19 points, uh, 47% field goal, 86% free throw, which is actually, he improved his free throw shooting 10% from the year before, which is pretty awesome. Um, yeah. I think the, I think the important thing, I mean, this goes back to Chandler Parsons. I mean, at that point, <laughs> Dallas had a choice whether they, you know, that money was either going to go to Parsons or it was going to go to Harrison Barnes, basically based off what was available to them that year. And they chose Harrison Barnes. So when you put it that way, I don't think it was that bad of a choice. Sure. Obviously, yeah, if you're pick between those two, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I do think that Harrison Barnes does have some pressure on him to live up to that max deal. And let's not, he is still fairly young. He's only 24, 25. Mm-hmm, 25. 25 so he's got some years and he's still got a couple more years to live up yeah, to that yeah right? he's he's getting into his prime so i mean yeah if he can start averaging like in the low 20 points a game like that's a solid player right there that's that's worthy of what a max contract was last year mm-hmm. um but i mean again the storyline to follow is like how good can dennis smith jr become uh this yeah. like we don't know yet we we saw a glimpse of what he can do in the summer league and you know it's just where do you go from here um, this is your future. This is the guy you drafted. You took a risk on. Um, let's see what the guy can do. I mean, he's going to get a lot of playing time for a team that doesn't really have a lot to lose. Um, yeah. It's not like they'll be fighting for a playoff spot. I have them about 12th or 13th seed. One of those two. Yeah, it's it's going to be a battle for that last place between Phoenix, Dallas, Sacramento, and the Lakers. Right. Man. Oh, are you going to say? I was just going to say, it's just how the mighty have fallen. I mean, this back yeah. in 2000, 
2003. We were talking about these were the teams, right. Kings, Lakers, <laughs> Dallas, and now we're talking about who's going to finish last. <laughs> right, yeah. The freaking Spurs are still at the top. Yeah, yet the Spurs are still <laughs> never, at the top. They never go away. But, I no. mean, I was just going to say, too, like, what's cool about this NBA season is, like, even a team as just boring and mediocre as the Mavericks are going to be, I'm still excited to see how good Dennis Smith Jr. is going to be. Like, that's still yeah, an exciting player to watch. So, yeah, this this NBA season is just going to be so fun. Like, it goes down to the yeah. worst teams. So, I'm excited. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see that, like, point guard rookie battle between Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Tiaran Fox, and Dennis Smith Jr. Because up to this point, all four of these guys have proven, have shown glimpses that they're going to excite some crowds mm-hmm. uh, this coming NBA season and maybe beyond. But... This leads right into this week in NBA history. Another uh, exciting point guard, arguably the guy who maybe started it all off. October third, nineteen seventy four, Jerry West announced his retirement, Ooh, finishing. Wow. Yep, finishing with a career average of twenty nine point one points a game. What was that? So I guess what this leads average? this twenty nine point nine, twenty nine point one points a game. Twenty. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so leading off to that is, I mean, I don't think Lonzo Ball might become the next Jerry West, but (laughs) the expectations are certainly there. (laughs) The expectations of the pressure. I'm not going to say it's impossible. Sure, you don't want, I wouldn't say, yeah, no way impossible. Unlikely, but the expectations and the pressure are definitely there. I mean, coming straight from Magic Johnson. However, Lonzo Ball did go out there and give sort of, meh. Low-key performance, eight points, four assists, four turnovers in 21 minutes. Nothing that jumps out. But I do think it's a little unfair how everybody kind of has established these huge expectations on Lonzo Ball because let's not forget Lonzo Ball isn't LeBron the way LeBron James was coming out right in the draft. He wasn't Carmelo Anthony, uh, guys that were immediately going to come in and make an impact on the team. And I think people forget that Lonzo Ball is also not, didn't come into this league as a scorer. He came into this league as a passer, as a distributor. And I think that takes a little bit more time. So I think if we're a little bit more patient, I think uh, Lonzo Ball might end up becoming something special. And the idea that he's going to be the next Magic Johnson is still very unlikely, but more reachable. I think maybe he can be the next Jason Kidd. We'll see. Jason Kidd was awesome. Yeah. So, and that leads to another guy that's been throwing some magic out in LA. Uh, Milo's Magic, you call him, right, Sean? Yeah, I got that Milo's Magic, dude. <laughs> oh, man. He's looking so fun to watch. It's going to be so exciting to watch him throw these lobs to Blake and DJ. Maybe even better than Chris Paul. I'm not saying he's a better player than Chris Paul, but those passes are sick, dude. He's not yeah. afraid. He's not afraid to sling it. He's not afraid to go for these crazy passes, which is going to be really exciting. He might have ten mm-hmm. turnovers in the game. I don't know, but <laughs> hey, it's going to be quite a ride. I'm excited for some Milos magic. Yeah, so we got the so we got some magic out there in the point guard position in LA, and we'll see. Um, let's see where Milos takes these take this Clipper team. Um, and don't forget to catch us next week because next week we will be breaking the final division in this in our NBA previews, and that's the Pacific Division that includes the Lakers, the Clippers, the and the Suns, and the Sacramento Kings, and of course the reigning champions, the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll mention them too. Why not? <laughs> yeah. 
So if you like our podcast, don't forget to like us on Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe um, and listen on SoundCloud, TuneIn, iTunes, or Google Play. We're, we're everywhere now. We're everywhere. We're, we're anywhere you want a podcast. You got us. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I'm Alan. I'm out. Yep, I'm Sean. Have a good week, guys.